Hello, I'm Regina Botras and welcome backstage where we talk with theatre makers from actors, directors, writers, theatre heads and beyond about their life in the theatre and how they got to be where they are now. My guest is Rajan Valu. He is in Norman Ahmed, which is playing at the Riverside Theatre from the 16th to the 20th of November and part of Australian Theatre Live production. This play caused a stir in 1968, written during the tail end of the White Australia policy that aimed to exclude people of non-European origin from immigrating to Australia. It was a watershed play that led to arrests around the country for using obscene language and igniting a much publicised campaign against censorship that spanned three decades and ended in the Supreme Court in 1970. Well, it's back on the stage at the Riverside, as I said, and Rajan is a graduate of the Actors' Centre Australia and has worked extensively across theatre, television and film in Australia and the US. His credits on stage include Counting and Cracking at Belvoir, Life of Galileo at Belvoir, The Last Highway, an urban theatre project's production and the drama at Sydney Opera House, as well as Friends in Transient Places, The Changelings and Henry V, all LA productions. He's also been seen on the screen, including uh, In All Saints, uh, Diary of an Uber Driver and Brooklyn Nine-Nine, to name just a few. But he's here to talk with me about his life on the stage and off the stage and uh, what he's doing now, as well as this production. Welcome, Rajan. Thanks for having me, Regina. How are you? Good, good. Thanks. So before we get into the play, and I'm very much looking forward to hearing all about it, but where did you start life? I, I started life in Fiji. So my, my parents are from India, but they moved to Fiji in the 1970s. And uh, I was born in Fiji, and then we moved to Australia. So my childhood was, uh, so a bit of my childhood was spent in Fiji, and then the rest, uh, and then I pretty much grew up in Australia. So I am definitely... Uh, an immigrant to Australia and have had the, ex- uh, the immigrant uh, experience. And then I, uh, I moved to the States uh, for a few years. I've only been back, been back in Australia for three years now from the States. So it's been, uh, it's been quite a bit of a whirlwind, you know, living in different places. Uh, but, you know, I always call Australia home. So that's always a good thing. <laughs> so are your parents creative? Like, how did you come to be on the stage? Like, what was life like? Well, I am... I am definitely out of the norm. So my dad is is a retired doctor. So he was a, he was a surgeon in Fiji, and uh, and then he was a general practitioner here in Australia. And my mother is a high school uh, chemistry teacher. So it's a it's a very uh, so it was very interesting when I decided to go into the arts. I was going to say, was there expectations for you to carry on the torch? <laughs> well, well, my dad always insisted that I shouldn't be a doctor. So I was like, oh, okay, oh. that's really interesting. Uh, because oh. most people would think, oh, your dad would want you to do the same thing he did. Yeah. Uh, but he said, oh, you know, there's not much of a family life if you become a doctor. So I was like, okay, fair enough. Uh, but I did study, I did do a Bachelor of Business. I did accounting and finance, right? So it's oh. the, the thing you do uh, <laughs> just to uh, placate your parents, so to speak. And then <laughs> And then I went to went into drama. Um, I never did drama in high school, so it seemed to come out of left field when I did say, when I did break the news to my parents that I'd auditioned for the Actor Center and I'd gotten in. They were, you know, they were they were they were, they were supportive in the sense that they didn't quite understand what that meant for me, and they thought, oh, he's going through a little phase. He'll <laughs> you know do a bit of acting, and then he'll get back to being a chartered accountant which didn't happen. So, um, you know, I always say I'm, I'm, 
I'm, I'm one of those members. I'm the member in my family that's kind of forging his own path. And, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that my cousins will see what I'm doing and think outside the box and be like, oh, you know, I don't have to follow a traditional path. If there's something I'm really passionate about, I can do that because Rajan's doing it. And um, so that's kind of how I fell into the performing arts. But I've always been, I, I was always the class clown. I've always been into uh, performance. And when I was younger, I, I learned a traditional um, uh, Indian dance. So I actually studied a traditional Indian dance that's called Bharatanatyam, which is a very traditional form of dance and storytelling. And I was, I was very young when I learned that. So I've, you know, essentially, I, I have been on stage before performing in, in that form of dance. But uh, when I was in high school, it was just physics, chemistry, maths, English, no drama. And it was only when I was in first year university that it, uh, it clicked in my head that I really wanted to be a performing artist. And um, sort of the journey started from there. So what was that moment, the click? It's, so I used to do impersonations of Eddie Murphy. <laughs> because he was, uh, I, I, you know, I'm a huge fan of Eddie Murphy. Just, and I watched some of his films when I shouldn't have watched. You know, I was, uh, you know, later on when I watched his films, and I was, I was too young to watch it, but I'd still watch it. He's, uh, and so I would do Eddie Murphy impersonations at at work. So when I was when I finished high school, I went straight into a cadetship at an accounting firm. So I was doing university while working at an, a, an accounting firm. So Friday night drinks. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a first year uni student and I'm here with these managers and these partners of this accounting firm. And I would entertain them by doing Eddie Murphy impersonations <laughs> and little skits from, 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 the, from his movies. Mm -hmm. And one of my friends, one of my colleagues said, Rajan, you should think about being an actor. And that actually was the, the, the point, like something went off in my head and I was like, oh, that sounds like a good idea not thinking how, you know, what a, what a demanding and challenging uh, profession it is to be an actor. I just thought, that sounds like a novel idea. <laughs> I'll become an actor. And uh, that's where it started. And mm -hmm. in one of my performance reviews at the accounting firm, they said, oh, what do you do for extracurricular stuff? And I said, oh, I'm really interested in acting. And my manager was like, you should take some acting classes. Then, you know, you'll really get a feel of that. And, you know, that passion will be fulfilled. And that acting class just snowballed into this, oh. uh, you know, I'm doing a bit of an acting class and then, <laughs> you know what, I really want to go to some sort of drama school and do some sort of formalized training. And it just went from there. So that's <laughs> how it all started. And the performance review gave you a, another level to that. So you, you studied at the Actors Centre. Did you come straight out of that into work? Did you go and travel after that to L.A.? So it was very interesting. When I came out of the Actors Center, you know, it, it was very difficult for someone that looked like me to get work in the Australian industry. Yes, tell me what, what year this was, roughly. This would have been in the, in the 2000s. And uh, coming out of drama school, I just, you know, there were, there, were, there were few roles that they would cast diversely, but there was not much going on. And you know, I would get one audition a month if I was lucky. Mm. Um, and it was, it was really tricky and I really wanted to apply my craft and, and there wasn't much, oppo uh, much opportunity. And that's when I decided with a group of drama school friends, we were like, oh, let's apply for the green card lottery. Maybe we can get to the United States. There might be more work for us there. And I entered the green card lottery. And, um, you know, I had, in Australia, I did, you know, I had a little, 
I had an, a, a guest role on, on All Saints and I did uh, a few theater shows. And then uh, the green card lottery came my way and I got, I got given a green card. So I thought, mm. well, I'm going to go to the United States and give this a crack and, and, and see what happens. And uh, so I left and went to the States. And, uh, you know, obviously there's, there's more work there, but, but more work. But there's also a ton of people, right? It's a bigger, it's a mm. bigger pool. Um, and, uh, you know, and I, I was I really honed my craft in terms of uh, um, uh, screen acting. So, so every, mo most things in L.A. is for, for film and television. But I also happened to stumble across uh, a few production, uh, sorry, a few um, theater companies. So I also worked with the independent, independent Shakespeare company in, in Los Angeles. And I did the Changeling and uh, Henry the Henry Henry the Sixth with them. Um, sorry, Henry the Fifth, and uh, so that was really good. And then I also formed part of a theater group in Los Angeles, which gave opportunities for new writers. So it was a it was a theater company called Fresh Fresh Produced LA. So essentially, we'd workshop plays mm. uh, uh, for, uh, written by by new playwrights. So actually, to develop their work, they'd be on the floor with us and we would we would workshop that so i would do my stage work and also be auditioning for film and television um and then i, I decided to have a family so I, I came back my my girlfriend at the time was was still in australia and we were doing this crazy long distance thing and uh we decided to get married and then you know the the decision was made that if we want to have kids australia is the best place to raise them you know, there's good health care. We have great uh, gun control. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's just just all of these things and, you know, the education system. And so I decided uh, after spending about, you know, close to a decade in Los Angeles. Right. Yeah, I, I, I decided to come back to, to Australia and I have a two and a half year old. So we, you know, we're like, let's, well, you know, we're going we're gonna, to gonna start a family. Uh, I have a stepdaughter. So and she's 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 a lot older and uh, she's she's very happy to have a little sister. So we have a little one. She's two and a half years old, and that's what prompted me to come to Australia. And coming to coming back to Australia was a was a, was a breath of fresh air because things had changed. But I want to ask before we come back to Australia and that change, what was the attitude like in LA? Like we're going to talk about Norman Ahmed, but what is was there more roles as well? Like I know there's a bigger, bigger audience, there's a, a lot more productions, there's a bigger population, but was the attitude towards, I suppose, difference more accepted or? Of course, like as soon as I got to LA, it was just, it just felt so different. Everyone's, um, you know, everyone's doing something and diversity was just huge. There was all, you know, they would there were there were huge attempts to to cast various tv shows and films with with diverse uh with diverse looking people so so i ended up getting you know lots of like my audition rate was just much higher in los angeles because they would see me for so many other things and i would i would check back with australia to see how the the industry was progressing but it was progressing slower than i than i wanted but they they seemed to at some point there was a shift that happened in Australia, but it was it was really good for me to be in the states and really, um, you know, compete for certain roles and and learn the ins and out of the, ins and outs of the business and and uh, you know uh, form networks and uh, I also uh, co-wrote and produced a web series with my with my with my flatmate at the time who was also from Australia and he he left for the same reason um, and. Uh, 
this was before Netflix and all of that. We, because Netflix is only a few years, and it's really only what six, seven years old. And just before that, we did a we did a web series, and we would yeah. release it on our on our little YouTube channel for people to watch every week. And then at, at some point, we'd release all the episodes, and <laughs> we, we we filmed that in our apartment in Los Angeles because. If you want to be in this business, you have to learn to create something for yourself as well, instead of just waiting around, hoping that oh, someone's going to give me a role, you know. Uh, and mm. so you've got to be really proactive. And and so the so you know, I, I call Los Angeles my my period of really growing up, really understanding the business and honing my my craft, um, and also developing a thick skin because you, uh, you know, it's it's a tough business, and and rejection is the norm, and. And mm. you really have to, uh, you know, have sort of a thick skin and 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 persevere mm. and, and keep mm. going. Yeah. So, what was it like then when you came back to Australia? What were you coming back to in the industry, and how had it changed? Coming back to Australia, I was a bit, I was a bit nervous. I was like, oh, am I, am I taking a step back? I've spent this much time in in the United States. It, mm. You know, are people in Australia going to be like, oh, you know, he realizes how hard it is. He's coming back. He's <laughs> going to start at the accounting firm. It's done. Um, <laughs> but I had a different take. I was like, I've been doing the same thing in the United States for quite a few years. And I didn't get the desired results I wanted, and, and it's that whole thing of uh, what's that? Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results is the definition of insanity. And I was like, well, I'm going to change it up. And it so happened that I also wanted to come back so that we could have, you know, we could have, we could have a little one, and then you know she'd be born in Australia, and we had all the support because you know my family's here, my my, my wife's family's here. Um, and I came back, and I didn't know the, you know, what the Australian industry was was like. And so I actually reached out to my old agent, the agent that I had before I left, and I said, "Mate, can we have a coffee? I, I just want to have a chat. I want to know what the Australian industry looks like and how I can get started again because I'm back for quite a while. I know for the foreseeable future. And uh, I had a, you know, and he was more than happy to to have a coffee with me, and he signed me up on the spot because I had, I had. Uh, so, I mean, this is this is an interesting story. I'll, I'll tell you. When I graduated drama school, mm. I struggled to get an agent because, you know, I wasn't. It was really it was it was a challenge for anyone to be able to to, to pitch me for any projects. So that made sense. It's like, well, how why would we sign this guy up, even if he might have some sort of talent? It's difficult to to sign him up because what are we going to pitch him for, right? And uh, and so coming back where, you know, I have this meeting with my old agent and, you know, he's, he's transferred to a bigger agency. So it's, it's one of the big agencies in Australia now. And he was, he was, he wanted to sign me up on the spot, which felt really good because I had these, these wonderful us credits. And, and he also made this joke. He was saying that, you know, when, when Rajan was here previously, I could only send him out once a month and now I'll be able to send him out three or four times a week. You know what Yay! I mean for auditions, and I was, I was, I was, I was thrilled to be, uh, you know, to be back and and also be represented by someone that I had an understanding with and a history with. So it's just been uh, it's been wonderful since I've been back, and I've I've been working quite a lot, and uh, you know, I've done a couple of productions with Belvoir, yeah, which has been just just tremendous, and lots of film. Film and uh, lots of television work as well, and it's it's definitely come leaps and bounds for me. I, I could I could really see this shift uh, in in the Australian industry. Look, there's there's always 
there's always a long way to go. There's, but at least there's a start and we're moving in the right direction as I see it. And, you know, diversity really sells and, and the Australian demographic is, is really changing. So people are craving diversity and diversity can make money. You know, there used to be this thing of, oh, we've got to be really careful. I don't know if this will sell or whether that will sell. But it's almost, I mean, it's, it's, it's proven now that diversity sells. So it's a, it's a good selling point. And that brings us to Alex Buzo's Norman Ahmed, but in a different way, because I, I imagine the stories that are being told are different when you were, the roles that were offered or you were auditioning for, or, I mean, this is 1968. So where the role is, you know, within a play that's talking about racism and bigotry and like, prejudice and so let's talk about the play <laughs> I suppose I was going to say because I mean I think the, the roles that you're going for now are are different in their um, themes and what they're addressing let's have a have a chat about the play what is it like for you to be inside this play and give the you know listeners a, a little rundown it's a conversation that's happening at a bus stop it's a wonderful play and it's ahead of its time you know written in 1968 and at the time when the first production came on, mm. the person who played Ahmed was a, what a, was a white Australian played Ahmed because there weren't any, you know, actors as such, uh, you know, from the subcontinent. Um, and it's interesting, when I read the play, I was like, wow, this play could be set today. The mm. themes that are, that are covered, even though it was written in 1968, is exactly what's going on now. It's like, it's so relevant, and I found that quite, uh, you know, it really, it really drew me in. And, you know, essentially it's this story of, um, you know, a conversation that takes place at a bus stop at midnight. Um, you know, one of the individuals, Norm, he's, he's waiting at the bus stop, and he sees Ahmed come by. Ahmed's missed his bus, and he says, mate, do you have a light? And, uh, you know, I have a light and light up a cigarette, and the conversation starts. And, you know, that's sort of, so the play is this, you know, back and forth with, with Norman Armand discussing everything from, 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 you know, immigration. There's a mention of the white Australia policy. And there's, there's so many opposites in the play, you know, young, old, um, you know, uh, domestic foreign and, uh, you know, someone. Educated. Yeah, educated, uneducated. Mm. Um there's, you know, there's so many things. But also it um, throws opposition to what you expect, I suppose. Uh, there's this wonderful quote. I mean, there's, this, there's always a sense that, oh, if you speak with an accent, you're not very educated, mm. which is really contrary to, to, to what the reality in, in the world is. And there's this wonderful quote from this film where this, this, this immigrant says, you know, uh, I might speak with an accent, but I don't think with an accent, <laughs> you know what I mean? Which is, yeah. which I found really powerful. Um, and that's true because Ahmed is so well-educated and, and, and you can tell with the way he speaks, he, you know, he, he loves words. And, and, and at certain points, Norm is just like, uh, uh okay. <laughs> bamboozled. <laughs> yeah, he's bamboozled. And then he changes the topic and it goes, but it's, it's a wonderful little piece that, back and forth. And it's almost like, you know, cat and mouse and the roles change as we, as we, go through this play um and uh it's 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 been uh, is is um Ahmed playing with norm as well like in that kind of cat and mouse way he's 
drawing him in each does the power shift between the two it definitely does in, in our production we've really you know we've looked at it really intricately 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 <laughs> uh and to try to you know find little clues because it's there, there are certain turning moments uh sorry turning points where you mm. could see that no uh Ahmed has caught caught on to what uh, Norm's saying or Norm's getting at or Norm's trying to reel him, reel him in and he knows what the game is and then he starts playing it as well and because you know he mentions very early on in the play that he's really interested in human behavior he's studying the humanities at university so mm. it almost becomes you know he's, he stays for this chat mm. because he really wants to understand what this individual what you know what Norm is all about and what drives him it almost mm. becomes a little bit of a university project for him to to stay and mm. but he 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 does play with well if you, when you see this production you, you'll notice that there's there is that 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 shift i'm mean, i'm not sure if this play has always been played with those shifts you know it might, because there's always this the stereotype of the foreigner being really meek and weak and always apologizing um but you know there's a this production sort of has it as a as a seesaw, so you know the power goes up and down, and and sometimes, you know, Norm doesn't realize that he's on the on the down, or or, or Ahmed mm -hmm. doesn't realize what's happening, and so that's what makes it really interesting. That I think it'll be it's it's unpredictable when you watch mm. this when you watch this production, it'll be unpredictable as to what's going to happen next, like who is trying to bait who, and 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 sort of that. You know that's all underlying everything that goes on with this this conversation that they have. Um, mm. Yeah, and being a, a conversation at a bus stop, there is not like a change of scene or other people to kind of influence the movement. So I suppose it is a bit like that psychological breakdown rather than scene breakdown. Um, and and making those choices is there much of the kind of stage direction in there or are you kind of creating that world and the distance I suppose between two actors on stage yeah I mean every every movement is very deliberate it's very, it's all thought out mm. very much and it, it 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 also you know reflects the dynamic the power dynamic at any point in the play um, you know it's a very simple set and uh, you know you also keep in mind that it's you know that the, the clock has just struck midnight Ahmed has missed his bus he just wants to get home and then he gets drawn into this you know this 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 conversation I, I hate calling it a conversation as such because it's more than that this this dialogue between 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 the two characters that you know that goes to different places and um yeah so and so the the way it's staged and the movement and where we're placed and where we move all it's all part of what's going on underneath what the uh, you know the subtext, subtext is what's yeah. the undercurrent all of that yeah mm. i i'm half egyptian grew up in a very <laughs> 70s like white australia you know lots of um name calling and that sort of experience is it upsetting to play to work to play inside of this it is i mean there's a lot of things that that um you know, hit hit close to home because they, I've 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 experienced a lot of the a lot that's that that goes on in in mm. this play. Um, but you know, when as an actor, when you're when you're within a, a particular role, you never want to see that role as being a victim in any way. 
Mm. You know, you've, you've got to find something that's empowering in there because you, you know, because that'll give a bit more su- substance and, 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 and sort of right. bring the play, give the play a stronger edge. And so I... So do you get upset? Or do I get upset? No, I, I, I don't... Personally, I don't necessarily get upset about it. I do get, uh, I do get passionate about it because I, mm. I'm like, this is a very important play, and and I hope the audience, you know, it it holds up a mirror to them to see, you know, how they're acting in their lives, and if you know, mm. even the little things you do can make a difference, you know, whichever way you want to go. Um, so. I'm actually excited to be working on this and, and, and nothing, nothing, nothing makes me, you know, really, there isn't anything in the play that, you know, gets me really upset because I've, you know, uh, I, I've kind of come at it from a, from a different direction and a, and a different point of view. Um, and everyone's been really supportive, like just in terms of the production, bringing it together. Mm. Um, and, uh, but it still reflects our times as much as it did then. You think, yeah? It definitely does. I mean, these lines in this play that you'd go, "Oh my goodness, it's 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 really? right now." Yeah, yeah. Uh, they they're talking about right now. It's it's, mm. it's one of those things that it's sad in a way because it was written in 1968 and it's still relevant today, 2021. Mm. It's like, did we miss something? Now I always have this thought that you know, there's this. Uh, we always think that we're making progress and we've come so far from where we were, but at the core of things, we haven't changed. Like, mm. you know, the, the foundations have not changed. It, they just talk about it. And that, that, and so I'm hoping, and, you know, I, I was speaking to one of the, the Lawrence who plays Norm and we were saying that it would be lovely if this play became irrelevant because that <laughs> means that we have, we have actually made a change mm. and moved with the times, you know. Mm. The something that I read when I was just reading, reading back over the notes of of this production is that um, why it was also a watershed moment is because it looks at male aggression and the expression of that, and that comes from insecurity. Do you think Ahmed has? Because I know it's Norm that has the aggression. Is is has Ahmed got aggression as well? Insecurity? Well, Ahmed has a certain focus. He he's passionate about something. You know, he's passionate about making a change. He's passionate about helping the downtrodden. And there's moments in the play where he really stands up to Norm and says, No, I disagree with you on that. Mm. You know, I disagree on you on that. This, you know, it should be like this. Because Norm talks about, oh, you should really revere people in position, you know, people in high positions because they've earned that right. And, and Ahmed goes, you know, I must disagree with you on that point because I don't hold them to the same reverence as you do because they're not that important people. We need to bring them down. They're impressing the people, you know, so he, he does stand his ground and he, that the, if you wanted to call it aggression, it's, uh, I, the word I kind of associate with that is he's got a real passion and, and he's got a cause that he's fighting for. And that's mm. why he's come to Australia to get a liberal education. But he wants to go back home and he wants to effect change there. He wants to tear down the bureaucracy. And uh, so in that sense, he has that, he has that fight in him when he comes face to face with Norm. And, and Norm's not used to, you know, a, 
a person of color, an immigrant, standing their ground and, and having an opinion and, and, and telling him, no, I must disagree with you. So, uh, so that's there. Um, just in terms of aggression, you know, uh, I think it was Lawrence as well. He said that there's this wonderful quote from, from, from Mahatma Gandhi, and, and I'm just paraphrasing. It's like, uh, violence begins when there are no more words something along those lines. It's like when you, you know, because Norm and Armour, we, we go at it and, and uh, you know, we, we talk, we discuss things. And then it's, you know, perhaps at some point, if you don't have the, the, the words or something to say to, to, to defend your point of view, then what comes next? You know, do we, do, we, do we step away? Do we walk away? Or is the next natural step is, I don't like what you're saying. Boom. Poof. You know? So, yeah. uh, yeah. Mm. Rajan, thank you so much for joining me. I look forward to seeing Norman Ahmed. Great. It'll be great to have you here and I hope you enjoy it. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. And that was Rajan Velu, who is playing Ahmed in Norman Ahmed, which is playing at the Riverside Theatre from the 16th to the 20th of November, Australian Theatre Live production.